We have been for the last three weeks before this one looking at our vision and our mission as a church. Uh, our vision, making Jesus non-ignorable in Monta Vista and to the ends of the earth. That's our vision. Our mission, the next slide, is to do so by making joyful, passionate disciples of Jesus. I don't know if that's going to, there it is. Make joyful, passionate disciples of Jesus. To do so, we started last week looking at our four core commitments, and that's our third and final slide. Um, Our four core commitments, the first last week to worship God passionately, you'll see when it comes up, is symbolized by the cross as the first one. Today, we're going to be moving on to the next, uh, to the next core commitment. If you have those circles, we can put them up here so we can... You can see him. There we go. So you got the cross, worship God passionately. The second one is this puzzle piece. And the puzzle piece stands for connecting with one another authentically. How many of you have ever done a puzzle before? (laughs) I think probably most of us. Some things we know about puzzles. Number one, there can be a ton of pieces. There can also be less pieces, right? Every puzzle is different, looks a little bit different. We also know if you were to look at a puzzle, it may not make any sense of it if you just look at one piece at a time. But when you put all those pieces together correctly, it makes a beautiful picture. And the same is true for the church. We each are individuals, and when we come together, we form a unified picture, and it can be beautiful, and it should be beautiful. And while there are crazy people in this world who do puzzles without ever looking at the picture, and even crazier people in this world who do puzzles from the backside without ever looking at the front... We don't need to do that as a church. We have the picture in front of us, and that picture is found in Scripture. The Bible paints a beautiful picture for us of what a unified church should look like and can look like. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 today. And I would venture a guess that every person or maybe most of the people in this room right now are familiar with this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 is a picture of the early church mere months after it starts. It might be the most functional the church has ever been at any point in the history of the church. And so we're going to look at this today that we might have a picture of the puzzle pieces we are forming uh, as, as individuals that we might form our church. And so let me read this for you. This is Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now this is a vision of what the church can look like when we, each individual piece, are devoted to the Lord. When we're serious about being who we, the church, are called to be. This is a picture of what the gospel does in a community. And we are supposed to be a people transformed by the gospel inwardly, And when we are transformed inwardly, what happens is an exterior and outward effect. A few things that happen when the gospel begins to form in us and flow into our community. The first thing is trust. The first thing I think is trust. Now let me tell you, what we read here is what we usually call Uh, descriptive rather than prescriptive. What that means is that you will not find commands on some of this stuff in scripture. What it's doing is telling us how they lived out what it means to be the church. It does not mean ours is going to look exactly like this. But the principles that can be gained are things we should be striving for. And the first thing we see, as I said, is they have trust. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, you will probably not find any modern, uh, any modern, at least mainstream pastor or theologian who will say that what we need to do as individuals in the church is sell everything that we have and contribute it all and have a common fund that we all pull money out of. That might happen. There might be those Christians who would decide to do it this way. It's what they chose to do and and in power. But this being descriptive does not mean we need to do this. Instead, it means we need to look at why they did it and how they were able to do it. And that is because they trusted one another. I mean, can you imagine taking everything, selling everything, bringing that into the church and saying, all right, you all do with it as you will. Take care of me, take care of them. There's a huge measure of trust there, right? Number one, that it's not going to get abused and that those who are entrusted to that are going to use it well and it's not all just going to, you know, slowly sneak off into somebody's bank account. There's trust. And when the, when the word is working in us and the spirit is working in us, there should be trust. Now, what does this look like for us? Well, I think it means that, that we're going to rely on one another. That we are going to come to each other for help and seek guidance. And we're going to be willing to share who we are and what we are with one another. We're going to take risks as we get to know each other. As we spend time with each other and recognize that the best way to grow is is by sharing what we are facing. 
The gospel moves in us and trust builds. The second thing that we see here is joy and generosity. Joy and generosity. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Today, when the gospel moves in a community, joy comes. There is no question about that. It isn't always. If the gospel is moving in a community and the community is moving with the gospel, then joy will happen. Not only joy, but generosity we see here, right? As they're contributing to one another, none of them are worried about how it all boils out in the end. There's a joy that they have because the gospel is moving in them. And the third thing that we see here is growing, is growing. Growing favor with all the people and the Lord adds to their numbers. Look at the end of this. It says, At the middle end of verse 47, and the Lord added to their number. Beginning of verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. One of the things that happens when the gospel moves in a community is is a growing. Whether that growing is in the depth of those who are there or the actual growing of numbers is not always up to us. It's up to God. But one of the things that we see here is that they have a growing favor with all the people. And a great question to ask here is, who's all the people? Well, first of all, all the people is the people of the church, right? There's a growing favor. There's an appreciation one for another and for the leadership of the church that's driving this movement and this momentum in this direction. But not only is all the people those in the church, it's also all those outside the church, As the people outside the church see the people inside the church caring for one another and supporting one another and building one another up, their favor for what's going on increases. And before long, they think, you know, I really want to be a part of something like that. I want to be loved the way that that person's being loved. I want to love someone the way that person's loving someone. And the favor increases and And what happened in the early church is that through all of that, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, they knew then what we know now, but sometimes do our best to forget that we were not made, we were not designed to do life alone. God designed us to be in real, authentic relationships with one another. And from the very beginning, this is reflective of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and how they have eternally all related to one another. We are told in Scripture that we were made in their image. Relational. To be made in the image of God is many, many things. There's many things you can say about that. But one of them that you have to say is that we were made for relationship. Now, I meet a lot of people. They tell me, oh, I'm good. I have Jesus. I have my Bible. I don't need the church. 
And I've shared this illustration before, this image. There's, there's a picture that floats around Facebook. It hits my feed every once in a while. And it's a zebra getting chased by a lion while all the other zebras are hanging out in a circle watching it happen. And the zebras can't go out and rescue him. But if he would just come and join the herd, the lion couldn't attack him. And that's the exact way that Christians are when they have Jesus in their Bible and no community. They're out there getting attacked and Jesus is saying to them, the church is right there. That's where you're supposed to be. There's a lot of proof for this in scripture. One of the biggest proofs are the 59 one another commands in the New Testament. 59 one another commands in the New Testament. What is a one another command? It is a command that you can't do if you're alone. You have to be in community with people in order to do any of one of these commands, which automatically means, and maybe this is you or maybe you know this person who's doing uh, Christianity with Jesus in their Bible and nobody else. Great question to ask them. What do you do with the one another commands? How do you live this out when one another by yourself? Here's a few of them. Love one another. John 13, 34. From Mark 9, 50, be at peace with each other. Romans 12, 10, honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, 13, stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Imagine if Christ was doing this all by himself. He would just keep accepting himself. None of us would be here. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, have equal concern for each other. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another in love. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. Ephesians 4, 2, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Philippians 2, 3, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Encourage each other. 59 one another passages. 16 of them are the words love one another. Now, if something is in scripture, word for word, 16 times, I think this is something we should probably pay attention to. And here's the thing. You go through these one another's. Every time I read through these, every time I think about these, I think, man, well, that's, that's a church I want to be a part of. Like, sign me up for that church, right? Even more than that, that's, that's the kind of church I want to give my life to. Right? We've given our lives to Jesus, and he's calling us to give our lives to the church community as well. And that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. I will tell you, I will, as pastor, do absolutely everything I can to push and urge and argue and everything encourage our church to become a one another church. Because I don't want to be a part of a church that's not that. And I would prayerfully and hope that you would join me in pushing that too. We got to connect with one another authentically we got to be a community 
Now, some, what are some of the ways that we seek to do this here? Well, first, right here, this gathering, right? We gather on Sunday morning. We, we read the word together. We pray. We study. We spend time. We fellowship. We encourage. We build up. We do the Lord's Supper, right? This gathering right here is, is key. It's the first place where most people are going to encounter our church community, Somebody walks in off the street, they're probably not walking straight into my home. I'd love it if they did, but they're probably not going to. They're going to walk straight in off the street and come here. They might pause and look at our webpage first, but before they actually figure out who we are, you know what they're going to do? They're going to show up here on Sunday morning. And so it matters what we do on a Sunday morning. Are we living out the one another's on Sunday morning here in the halls of the church in the parking lot out front during Sunday school? When we pass somebody going in and out of the bathroom and it's kind of awkward, are we one anothering each other in some way? And we've got to think through this. When somebody walks in, do they see how we're treating one another and are they treated either the same or better? Another place that we'll do this is in community, as we do outreach events and activities, as we think about fall festivals and we think about vacation Bible schools and we think about the things that we're called to do. See, a lot of times those things, and they're always aimed outward, but, but what happens in them is that inwardly we spend a lot of time serving together. And I will tell you, I don't know a better way for Christians to bond together than to serve together. I think about the summer camp experience that I just had. The camp that I, that I serve with is an entirely volunteer camp. There are no paid staff. For five weeks out of the year, this camp exists. The rest of the year, it only exists in a board of which I'm on and a handful of emails that get sent out to people as we try to figure out what the next year is going to look like. This week, I served this for, the, I think, the sixth time as a camp speaker. Every time I've been a camp speaker, I've spoken with a different speaker doing the morning session or the evening session. Every single time. It's so cool. Because the guy I served with this week has been doing it for 30 years. I've never met him before. But the moment that we were together, what happened? We start serving together and we're bouncing off of each other as we speak. A bond grew almost instantly. And that's mostly Christians from different churches from all over the state and out of state that come together to do this thing for one or six weeks a year. And we come together and we serve. And I will say some of those people I am so close to. And I've only known them for a week, a year at most. So cool. One of the other ways that we are going to seek to build community is through what we call community groups. So community groups are mid-sized, that's roughly 20 people, intergenerational, diverse groups, where we seek to do life together and share in community. Some people might call them small groups. We don't like the word small groups because small groups implies like eight to 12. 20, 25 people who are gathering together of different ages, different genders, different socioeconomic class, 
different ideologies, different everything. The only thing that unites us is the only thing that can ever unite all of us, and that is Jesus Christ. I look to a day, I look to the day, when, when at some point, and, and I, I hope this happens, if it doesn't, we're going to be working really hard to make it happen. Where I look at the group and think, man, there is no reason why this group of people is in this room right now except Jesus. You know, the church is one of the only places that that happens in the world. Where people from any and all backgrounds and differences can come together and be together. The only thing that I can ever think of that comes close beyond that is sports. <laughs> right? You look at a stadium and you see people from all walks of life. But the reality is, is those people like each other less than any of us ever should. But the church is made up of people who God has called. We're unified in that one calling. In the one salvation that we have. And so it does not matter if you're rich or poor, you're black or white, you're, you're crazy conservative or crazy liberal. It does not matter if you own your house or rent. It does not matter if you're educated or uneducated. You want an example? Look at the 12 disciples. Now, aside from the fact that they were all men, don't forget the fact that just outside of those 12 is a handful of women that were closer to Jesus in some cases than the 12 were. But in that group, in that group of 12 men, you've got educated guys and you've got absolute bottom of the barrel, never went to school, anything, guys. You've got guys who are rich and they own their own businesses and their families own businesses. You've got others who have nothing. You also have political zealots, those who would seek to do nothing but end the, 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 the Roman rule of them. And then you have in the same group government employees working for Rome, right? Or at least who did. Not only that, but here's an interesting thought. You also have saved guys in Judas who is pretty clearly unsaved. Why are they there? They're there because Jesus invited them. Amen. And it doesn't matter what they are otherwise. Now, he doesn't leave any of them alone in those things. He's always transforming and growing and challenging. But should we be any less than what Jesus called together? And so what does this look like? What does this look like? Number one, oh, actually, let me just say, there's four things that we pull out of our passage today that we think are essential to biblical community. Four specific things. Now there's more, but here's four really essential ones. Number one is the apostles' teaching. What's the apostles' teaching? It's scripture. We read in this passage, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And in those four things, we see these four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And I want to take just a minute to look at each one of these. We talk about the apostles' teaching. We're talking about scripture. We gather in community, obedience to God's word, to the Bible. And when we gather, we study God's word together. In community groups, this will be much less about a pastor or elder teaching and more about the community of God leading and building each other up in scripture. About hearing how God is 
using the scriptures to change us and grow us and to challenge us to do so as individuals and as a community. It'll be discussion on the word of God. Some of us are experts, quote unquote, in the word of God. Some of us are brand new to it. But we come together, we read God's word together. The second thing, the second thing we do is we gather in fellowship. We gather in fellowship. Like I already said, when the gospel moves in us, it draws us together no matter who we are. The gospel invites all. And so our heart here is not to build um, silos of small groups, but intergenerational, diverse groups where we are growing together, where we're growing together. The third thing we see in here is the breaking of bread together. And you might say, well, Pastor Matt, we do the breaking of the bread on Sunday morning. Are we going to take the Lord's Supper on you know, Wednesday or Thursday night as well? And I'd say, no, we're not. Now, some of you have heard me say that every time the church gathers, we take the Lord's Supper. And, and that's when the church is gathered, not individual pieces necessarily. When this passage refers to the breaking of bread together, they are referring to the Lord's Supper, but only as a part of what they did. The breaking of bread together was a regular practice that they did every day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes three times a day. For the early church, the Lord's Supper was a part of the meal they shared together. So they didn't just have a little piece of bread and a little thing of juice or, you know, a little piece of matzah and a, a little glass of wine or whatever it was that they were using, right? They, they had a whole meal. And you guys have heard me say many times, we gather once a week for church, but the early church, there's pretty strong evidence, gathered at least seven days a week, most of those days twice a day, and some maybe even three times a day. Now, I don't know about you, but there's really only one thing that I do three times a day. And that's eat. When the Lord calls us together, what he's doing is calling us to be a family. And families eat together. Right? I, at least they did. I don't know if they still do. Mine does most of the time. But they sit around the table and they share food and they eat together. You think about big families. You think about big family events. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. What do you do? You gather with everybody and you feast why? Because there's something that happens around a table. So the same thing is true for a community group to sit around and, and share and food and eat and fellowship together. The fourth thing that we see that we think is essential is praying together. Is praying together. Prayer unites small communities. It brings us together before the Lord as we praise him and offer up our requests together. One of the awesome things in, say, a community group over a Sunday morning service is that you can really pray for each other. Right, there may be times on Sunday morning where we'll lift up a prayer request and there are times when we may take prayer requests and, and pray over those things. But something always happens. Now, if you're in a church with 20 people and somebody shares a prayer request, most of the people kind of know that. But if you grow beyond that, if you, you get bigger, 
People are sharing prayer requests. People have no idea what's going on and who these people are and, and anything else. But in a small group or, or a community group gathering, you can pray for one another and ask questions and say, let's, let's check in on this, right? There's, there's a community, there's a depth that happens. Now, these four elements were part of the church here. And what we see in that is growth. What we see in that is growth. One of the things we want to see for our church is growth. Growth of the gospel, growth of depth, and growth of numbers. So what we want to do is devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now coming back to the idea of a puzzle and the metaphor of being a puzzle and that the idea that we cannot do this alone, I want to come back and, and remind us all that to most of us, puzzles are not easy. Now, some of us love them and we're just rolling them. I know for me, when, I first, when a puzzle's first out on the table, I mean, you look at it and your brain just kind of breaks a little bit. But then you spend like 20 or 30 minutes looking at it and you're getting some pieces together. And at least for me, something that starts happening is I can look and see this little like weird little notch and then remember that I saw a piece with a weird little notch like that over here. And suddenly the puzzle starts coming together. Because even if you're not paying attention to it, your brain is, and your brain starts knowing where to find pieces in the jumble and the mess. Puzzles aren't easy. They take a lot of time. They can be really hard work. And if we just go straight and think about the church, we know that there are challenges to all of this. And I want to highlight a few challenges we may face in terms of building the kind of community we're looking at. Here's the first. In modern times, in our modern day, schedules are a challenge. Some of us have all the time in the world like I'm retired, I'm on disability, I basically sit at home and don't do anything for all day and then I sleep and then I wake up and I don't do a whole lot. Others are retired and totally not that way at all. They're working harder now than they did when they worked. Some of us, when we look at our schedules, we think, I don't even know I can find 10, 10 minutes, let alone like an hour and a half a week or every couple weeks to gather together. I don't, couldn't do that. Schedules are hard. Something else that's hard. Kids. Kids are hard. Our kids are loud. They're crazy. They take up room. Sometimes they smell bad. Right? Kids. Kids are hard. But man, kids in a group are great. Because life is happening. Because if there's kids in a group, then there's parents in a group. And parents need community. A unique challenge that I've been trying to figure out what it looks like for us here in Monta Vista is that some of our people are shared people. They don't live here all year. <laughs> right? They go to church somewhere else part of the year. So what does it look like? To be in community with people who aren't always here. And how do we keep that up when they're not? You know, we've got some families that are here for the whole summer and then they go away for the winter. We've got others that are here for like two weeks 
And then they're gone for four, and then they're here for a week, and then they're, and, and we just don't even know when they'll be here or when they won't be here. But they're not exempt for community. We're not exempt from making them a part of our community. We've got to figure these things out. One of the other things about community is that it's awkward. It's awkward. We have a saying, you're going to hear me say it a lot. I, I try to say it often because new people come in and, and they feel awkward. And we feel awkward because we don't quite know what to do with them yet. Here at Calvary, we are a people, and if we're not now, we will be a people who lean into the awkward. We have to. Because I'm awkward. And you're pretty awkward. And we're all kind of awkward together. And you bring us together, we get really awkward. And we're either going to be a people who lean into that awkwardness, or we're going to be a people that run from it. And I will tell you, if we're an awkward church, there's going to be people who are going to run from us. We can't do anything about that. But we can do what we do and lean into it instead of out of it. One of my other pastor friends, I think he's a pastor. I think it's uh, the guy who says it's always up in Gillette, Wyoming. And he says, we had to lean into the awkward and wade into the weird. <laughs> are we okay with that? I hope we are as a church. Finally, I think one of the biggest challenges is just that it takes time. It takes time to connect to people. And you may know the person sitting down the aisle or across the way from you right now. But do you know the person in the back? Do you know the person who's going to show up next week and sit in the front? They don't know anybody. We don't know them. It takes time. And we've got to be willing to put that time in with each other and with new people coming in. And we've got to be willing to say to people, hey, it takes a little time. But once you're in, you're in. Right? These are some of the challenges we may face. The reality is all these challenges are worth facing. They're worth confronting. They're worth diving through. Because biblical community, really loving one another, really caring for one another, really knowing one another, connecting authentically, is so worth it. It's so worth it. It's far more worth doing that as a church than putting a puzzle together on your dining room table. We must believe that pursuing the connection and community with other believers is what God wants for us and for his church and that he will uniquely conform us into the image, into the picture that he wants us to be. And the question for you, as the question for all of us is, is are we willing to glorify God in this way? Are we willing to do what we need to do with each other to make this picture not just a bunch of individual pieces lying on a table, but a cohesive and beautiful and complete image? I hope you will. I hope we'll do this together.